it wasn't Schrodinger's cat. That one was cerebral. Oh man, that was, uh, that was scientific. That joke was both alive and dead all at the same time. Oh, I'm not smart enough to get this joke, Greg. I don't want to feel stupid. Stop it. <laughs> You're not. Stupid. I just know movies, bro. <laughs> I'm making up half jokes over here. <laughs> Don't tell the secret. They're not half jokes. They're the whole joke. <laughs> we just don't share it all. You just spoiled this that's whole right, thing. That's Jesus. right. They're not half jokes. They're they're full jokes, but mm-hmm. no one gets to find out the, the real secret. They're not just story. a fun way for us to begin a show. No, that's weird. Who would do that? So anyway, <laughs> let's get on track with a show that is never cerebral. Screen <laughs> Fix is back. Yeah. I'm your host, JC. With me, as always, are the lovely co-hosts, <laughs> Mustachio. Say hello. Hello, Earth. How are you? <laughs> the whole Earth, he has said hello to, <laughs> as if he is an alien arriving for the first time, bearing gifts. Learning how to greet the fellow human beings. Here is Bunt Cake. So, I am also here with Katie the Lady Wan. Why don't you say hello to everyone? Hey, y'all. We missed you. We missed you y'all. so much. It's been a minute. A little, you threw in a little Southern, a little Texas. Uh-huh. All right. Are you, are, are, you, are you from Texas? or? Absolutely not. Oh. Are you I was from... born in Manhattan. <laughs> That's not the South. I'm, I'm so confused right now. It's okay. Maybe you've lived in the South long enough. Yes. My, my accent has come from a lot of places. Mustachio, did you do anything uh, recently in the last two weeks that was film or TV related? You know, did you see any movies? Did you, uh, maybe you went bowling and bowled a perfect 300. I don't know. Just let us know what you did. How are you, buddy? Well, let's see. No, I've never bowled a perfect 300. I, I wish. Um, I, uh, I've been working a lot and doing, do, doing the leg business okay. and, and such. <laughs> The leg biz. <laughs> Every day Listen. is leg day for Greg. Oh, my oh God. yeah, I'm just legging it. I'm legging it all the time. <laughs> so Mustachio works in prosthetics, which is why this is hilarious. <laughs> yes. So yes. you've been working and speaking hard. Speaking of that, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about the if we do talk about skyscraper trailer. Uh, I've got some. Oh, amazing! Yes. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. We will talk about that, and you are the man to talk to about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you, Lady Juan? Two weeks layoff. What have you done mm-hmm. film, TV related? Or maybe <laughs> you made a mean gluten muffin pan of muffins. But <laughs> what have you done in the last two weeks? Um, So many gluten-free pancakes. But a lot of, surprise, surprise, a lot of sports been watching a lot of hockey and now it's olympic time let's do this usa let's do this uh, so for everyone out there the lady one just graces us with her presence she's actually <laughs> a sports pod celebrity yes <laughs> yes upcoming appearance coming soon we'll share when i know it's just in <laughs> she's a big deal in sports <laughs> i'll i will have a date to share i will cross promo it's happening Awesome. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So let's go ahead and get started with the news. There has been a ton because the Super Bowl happened. It was Super Trailer Sunday. It was. It was. It was Super Trailer Sunday. Like, Absolutely. And 
maybe the biggest one that dropped or not, I don't know if I don't know if it was the biggest but probably the most highly anticipated one because it comes out in just a few months was finally the solo trailer yes where we got to see him solo it was just actually a teaser trailer a larger trailer came out the next day mm-hmm. but we did get to see Alden Iron Iron Gry Buzz, Buzz Aldrin, Aldrin. Still Buzz, Buzz Aldrin. Space. Yeah, Buzz. Yeah. Still so, Buzz. Yeah. We did see Smuggling Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> so the trailer, what were your first impressions of that solo trailer? Do you think Ron Howard and his team are going to pull a, a tauntaun out of their hat? What do you think? <laughs> go ahead. What do you think, Katie Lady One? Go. I, oh boy, it was tough. So as soon as it came on, my... Like everything else faded to the background and I just was, it was just me and my television. And then when it finished, I realized just how entranced I was with it. And even if it was just meh, which I think after watching it like five more times after, it was just kind of meh, I just still got so excited. So I, oof, it, it did definitely make me more excited than just a whole lot of nothing, which is all we had going into this. It's still completely ridiculous that we're five months out from this movie and we just got a trailer. But I'm pumped. I'm pumped. All right. Mustachio? Yeah. Uh, for me, I, you know me. I like impressions. And so when I was I was uh, watching his character, uh, the solo, I, I was looking for like a Harrison Ford draw. I was looking for that kind of sardonic, um, you know, over it all attitude. Like kind of not really re- wanting to be in that space. Always uh, that rebel-like attitude. And yeah, I think a, a little bit of it is starting. It's it's uh it's beginning. I want to see what the the world of his uh, revelry has to uh, afford us before all the, <laughs> the whole the empire started fucking things up. <laughs> Explicit rating earned. There it is. It wasn't <laughs> me. It wasn't me this time. Hey. Wow. <laughs> so the trailer. It's funny because there. There was a teaser, and my first reaction after the teaser was, "Well, we didn't really hear him talk. Like you, he right. He says something in the in the very beginning, and then nothing. Like you don't. There was right. there was there was there was a bit of voiceover, and that's it. Like you didn't yeah. hear, you know, any of him speaking. And I was like, well, that's scary because all of the news leading up to this had to do with him needing an acting coach, and and then the next trailer dropped the next the next day, and there. You get like an early in the trailer almost, I actually thought it was almost like a Henry Hill uh, Goodfellas type of voiceover. Like, I was always into smuggling. I was all like, they wanted to. Uh, I was, I was, I was a crook as far back as I could remember. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how it was. That's not what he said. I should have watched it again before we started. But sure, sure, it, it, sure. Was, it was, it was, it was kind of. Kind of like that. It was like this Henry Hillish voiceover, and then that that actually goes goes away. It's just in the very beginning, and then you do hear him talk a few times. I liked his delivery in some of the scenes. Uh, I didn't like his delivery when Amelia Clark, playing a character called Kira, uh, says, <laughs> "I know who you are." He's like, uh, "Who's that?" I saw a bit of um, I saw a bit of Rafe Fines standing off camera going, was it too so simple? Is it too so simple? Is it too so simple? Because I, you know, I, uh, 
he looked like somebody who was lacking a bit of uh, the confidence, right? You know, yeah, to really pull it, it off. But Some, the charm, it, the charm needs to be there too. Yeah, the charm needs 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 to be cranked up. And I was a little concerned about the story because it seems like they're going with an angle where he's this yeah. idealistic yeah, and character who wants to be the best pilot in the whole galaxy. Exactly. exactly. I immediately and, hated that. <laughs> and if, if if they have any, you know, understanding of what they're doing for the fans, they need to make him slightly dangerous, you know, because the fans don't want to see somebody that looks like he wouldn't shoot first. There's There's got to be an element to him that's dangerous and that he's willing to just throw everything away. Um, well, so. I, I agree with that, but I also disagree with it at the same time because again I'm a very complex human being so I kind of think it would have been helpful when they were making this movie if they just asked Harrison Ford what he was like when he was younger because (laughs) this character has to be the Han Solo that we know but not all of it because this needs to explain how he got to be the way he is because there's no way anybody's born that aloof it's not possible <laughs> to be born that over it. Like he yeah. needs to get there. So Egotistical we need to see the start of it. Blue. And then this needs to be how he becomes that character that we know and love. I mean, they go. bit off so much to chew. What a crazy idea to make yeah, this movie. Yeah, Because he probably wasn't even really acting Harrison Ford. He was probably, probably just like. They just he was a carpenter. Him, yeah, they just gave him a leather jacket of sorts and just was like, hey, this is your cockpit. This is called the Millennium Falcon. Go at it. You know, but is the story of him being like an idealistic young guy and learning to be cynical, is that the story that we want? I don't know if I I need that. I don't know if I need like to see the story of Han Solo's mentor. Like I just, you know, like Tobias Beckett. I'm putting the crew together. (laughs) Who apparently the screenwriter said that he based... He based Tobias Beckett off of. Uh, <laughs> he said that they, he said that they based Tobias Beckett off of Long John Silver from from uh, Treasure Island. That's okay, but you know, apparently, yeah. So apparently, Han Solo is like Jim Hawkins from Treasure Island. I don't imagine Jim Hawkins grew up to be the kind of guy who would say, "I know when someone says they love him." He seemed so sweet and optimistic. <laughs> I don't get it. Han Solo is so iconic. Mm-hmm. It, they would have been better served making a Lando movie. Yes. Give me that movie instead. Right, like an entire Lando movie starring yeah. Childish Gambino. Yes. And the stakes are lower there. Yeah. Like, it's it's a side character that you're pulling out and giving a backstory to. The stakes are so high by making a solo backstory movie. It's bananas. Make Han Solo a cameo in Lando's movie where he, where he loses yes! the Falcon. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. But it's Lando's story. That's right. what it should have been. Instead of solo. Because uh they uh uh AFI did one hundred heroes, one hundred villains. They did one one of those lists. Mm-hmm. Han Solo was number fourteen. Ooh. So think about <laughs> how many characters all time that have ever been created right. and you're trying to do essentially an origin story <laughs> for the fourteenth most beloved character mm-hmm. of all time. Yeah. That's insane AFI and of is course Bible. indiana jones was like number two which is basically these characters are all just harrison ford's yes. yeah grumpy swagger harrison ford <laughs> yeah. yes don't you, don't you think it's um 
It's it's gonna it's gonna be good for me regardless. Was that your Harrison Ford? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's 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 all I can. The whispering. Give you, kid. Uh, I think there's you kind of wait you. No, you kind of sound like what? Where is this? Uh, You kind of sound like Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yeah. uh, There's a letter. There's something else to it too that I can't think of right now. I was uh. I was flying in the Tatooine at 400. This is Bruce Willis. Whatever. This is. Yeah. Yeah. This is 90% squinting, also, which is not great for a podcast. This is Han McLean. Was it? Was that Bruce Willis? <laughs> Shit. Yeah, that, that was Bruce Willis. This was Han McLean. It is yeah. Han McLean. Yeah, it, is, it, was, it, was, it was rough. <laughs> it's it's fledgling. <laughs> <laughs> All I've got is Holly Hunter. That's literally the only impression I can do. You, you, oh, he's horny. He's horny. There goes Greg again. It's instant. God, <laughs> uh, don't touch me. Um. So. <laughs> anyway, so Solo is coming out. Ron Howard was the was an actor in Lucas's American Graffiti, also starring Harrison Ford. But now we've got Ron Howard directing a Star Wars film, which is George Lucas's franchise, and directing a character that is Harrison Ford. And it all comes from, you know, the American Graffiti connection is there. It's a disgusting menage a trois. No, I'm just kidding. I, it, was, it was a fun fact. Might not make the episode, but whatever. So. I had fun with it. <laughs> I'm keeping it. Yeah, you're editing I'm keeping that. it just because you said that. Keep it real. <laughs> Keep it in. Here we go. Keep it in. Anyway, let's get back to that AFI list. I said that Han Solo was 14th. I figure if you're like in the top mm-hmm. 20, there should not be an origin story for you. There just should not be. Like you're you're too Absolutely iconic and not. all you can do is ruin a character. Is is huge. Yeah, the margin for failure is is bad news. What if they did go back and do origin stories for like the top 10? So the the number the number one hero yeah, yeah. was uh, <laughs> I looked Atticus at that Finch. list. What's what's Atticus Finch's uh, origin? Mm-hmm. What what's his what's his what's his terrible origin story? It's it's definitely him in law school. <laughs> Ooh, it's a combination of Legally Blonde and Animal House. You see him impregnate Scout's mother. Oh no! But it's never really really talked about. The, the movie ends with just him going Aww. with someone going Atticus, I'm pregnant, and then and then like somebody <laughs> Atticus, I'm late. That would be the really bad one. All right, what's uh, mm-hmm. uh, Indiana Jones's uh, origin? Bad bad origin story. I figure he's like kid yes. Indiana Jones, little little Henry, little Henry going on adventures. But, yes, but but younger. It has to be younger than yeah. that because we already have River Phoenix. Yeah. So we're going like yeah. eight or nine years old, little Before Henry. He grows the River Phoenix hair. Okay, yes. little Henry going on adventures. And his dog Indiana with the dog. The dog was Indiana. That's it. That's a terrible Indiana. impression. That's that's my favorite part of the film. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm. My name's not Junior. It's Indiana. We call the dog Indiana. Exactly. I love it. So yeah, so it's little Indiana Jones 
he finds some artifact and he's got his dog Indiana. <laughs> and they're on the yeah. case. Yeah. Yes. Uh it's it's like uh, a side story to him off in some foreign country with his dad. Yeah, yeah. Like his dad's I mean, on a dig and he's just hanging out with his dog all day and they go on their own little adventure. Right. The clock is ticking until they make this movie, by the way. No, <laughs> number three, what's, <laughs> what's James Bond's bad origin story? I mean, I've seen one James Bond movie that I can recall, and it was Skyfall. So, so I could only imagine his summer in Scotland as a little kid. And uh, Q is there, and Q just makes him little gadgets out of like paper clips and like <laughs> rubber bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, son of like yeah, son of Rambo style. Okay, okay. Uh, no, they're no, getting no. into mischief at boarding school. All right, number four is uh, Rick Blaine in Casablanca. I don't know what his origin story. That's ridiculous. I got uh, nothing because I I can't imagine him as anything other than a kind of grumpy older man. There is no origin origin story there because Humphrey Bogart was always old. <laughs> yes. He was born 50. With a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. And then we've got uh, Will Kane. Uh, Will Kane in uh, High High Noon. I don't. I really can't think of an origin story there. Just some uh, gunslinger. Is that Gary Cooper's character? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of straightforward. So number six is Clary Starling from The Silence of the Lambs. What's her, what's her bad origin story? It's like her first, first day on the force is like a regular cop. Pre-FBI, you got to be a cop first. Her bad origin story is she's just a cop on the force before she goes to FBI school. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a like uh, rom-com. Oh, no. <laughs> where <laughs> like Buffalo Bill is actually her ex-jilted <gasps> lover. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> but there's but there's a cameo where she's just like sitting and like eating lunch and Hannibal Lecter just kind of walk walks by and goes, I hope you're enjoying your Denver omelette. And he just walks <laughs> and he just walks off. That's it. That's it. Because, you know, because these bad origin stories just have to, you know, uh, they just have to pepper in your uh, your future, you know, uh-huh. villains and, and characters anyway. <laughs> So gross. <laughs> it's really weird. It's uh, really so gross. Anyway, uh, next is uh, number seven was Rocky Balboa. What's Rocky Balboa's bad origin? Uh, he just gets the shit beat out of him <laughs> and he never does anything with his life. <laughs> it's not alternate universe, Rocky. I think that this is before he's he's Rocky, so he uses his full name of Rocco. Rocco, Rocco. for sure. Yeah. So he's Rocco Balboa. And he's in high school, Rocco. and this, yeah, and uh, young everybody, everybody picks on him. Oh yeah, and young uh, Apollo Creed is also <laughs> at his. Everybody just picks on him because they don't want to hear him speak. Young Apollo Creed is also at his middle school, and Apollo Creed is there. Gonna, we go is going to fight him after class, but his name's not uh, Apollo Creed. His name's like Paul Creed. Yes, definitely. Right? <laughs> right. So this. <laughs> Eugene Creed or something, you know. So anyway, so Ira Creed is gonna fight him <laughs> in the in the, the in the schoolyard after, and then he's got to get guidance from uh like an older trainer figure. I Maybe mean, it's like a, a a kid who's been held back a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Like, like little Rocco yeah. is ten, but this other kid's yeah. twelve, and he's, that makes all the difference. Like, Yo, you need to teach me to fight. And the guy's like, I've been held back seven times. I'm not doing it. I got a pass this year. I don't have time to train you. 
<laughs> and then wait, wait, wow, that was Arnold. And he right ends there. up training him, and he's like, "What's so all right? I'll train you. What's your name, kid?" He's like, "I'm Rocco Balboa," and he's like, "Rocky, all right, Rocky, show me what you got, right?" And then yeah, so that's anyway, that's the bad middle school. <laughs> this feels all too real. Rocky movie. This is so possible. Uh, Give Stallone a minute. <laughs> Number eight is Ellen Ripley. From Aliens. What's her bad origin story? I don't even know, like, what universe what? that is. I mean, wasn't she, like, just a bad mother not taking care of her little babies? The little aliens? <laughs> no, it's her origin story before the movie we know her for. Okay. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. She's destined to do those things. Wow. I was way off. I'm, like, across the room from you guys. Yeah. Just can't e- I can't even get what's going on. All this right, is the so. screen fix paradox. So Ellen Ripley <laughs> is in uh, is in astronaut school, and it's the story of a girl from auspicious beginnings working her way through space camp. Space camp, <laughs> yes, it, uh, through space camp, basically. Okay. okay. Space camp, and uh, she learns more distrust of of androids because she falls in love with one. Mm-hmm. All, like all, all mine end up bad rom-coms somehow yeah. yeah and she hates eggs ew so is that is that where it's explained she hates eggs ew I don't know now why. I hate eggs <laughs> after this that. and the Lecter omelet thing now I hate eggs I'm over them I'm done it's hey over. that's in the 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 JC verse there's ew. egg references everywhere uh, our next one is George Bailey from It's It's a Wonderful Life. Let's skip that one. T.E. Lawrence from Lawrence of Arabia, number 10. We'll skip that one. We did the fun ones. Anyway, bad <laughs> origin stories. They're all going to happen. We just need to accept it. It's happening to Solo. If it can happen to Solo, it can happen to anybody. Nothing is safe. That's the lesson here. Mm-hmm. That's the lesson. Nothing here. is safe. That is what the sad lesson here is. It's nothing sacred. (laughs) (laughs) He brought it way, way, way down. Anyway, more trailers came out. Not just that one. We spent so much time on that one. We're going to bust through these ones. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Also came out. I loved it. Loved every second of it. Ant-Man and the Wasp. What are your feelings? Go ahead. Lady One, lay it on us. That's it. Just lay it on. I'm so excited. I love Paul Rudd. Every woman from the age of like 16 to 50 loves Paul Rudd. He's the greatest ever. He doesn't age, but he's non-threatening, but he's so handsome and he gets abs just for these movies. He's the best. He's so charming and like I'm all about it. Let's do this. Mustachio? Yes. I love that trailer. I'm I'm really excited. It, It looks like it's got the same energy of the first one, uh, the same momentum. They're on the run. Um, his dealings with, you know, Cap uh, from Civil War kind of comes in and you get an understanding of why and where they're going. And now this newfound relationship between Evangeline Lilly's character and himself. And I, yeah, I'm really intrigued. I love like the miniaturization. I love the hilarity of it. I, it looks like they're going to try to take that like hilarity of the little train toy car scene and make that into a chase sequence where they can alternate different things into giant and small both. And it's going to intrigue us and also make us laugh out loud at times, I bet. Yeah. Definitely. It looks good. Same feeling. Oh, my God. 
So yes. anyway, um, yeah, I like. Okay, I actually read a really crappy like trailer recap on one of the sites that I'm not going to name because I do read them because a we're lot. nice. Because we're nice. But the review, <laughs> but the review is basically all about how oh, Pim Labs is being so reckless with their tech now. Oh, shut up! It's a movie. Exactly. Oh. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Oh, yes, we're going to watch the Ant-Man movie where shit shrinks and grows. That's yeah. what I want. That's I, the point of it. Yeah, all I want is things shrinking and growing, okay? Like, yes, that's, like, literally, I was so flabbergasted by this review where they're like, oh, well, Pim Labs is all reckless. Reckless. It's supposed to be funny, exactly. too. It's supposed yeah. to be humor. It's a it fucking comic book movie. What do you yeah. want? It's supposed yes. to be funny. I mean, it's called Ant-Man. Right. As, as I was about to say, it's called Ant-Man. We're, thank you. So silly. Also, so silly. Also, uh, the Pez dispenser. Yeah. Who is ha- that? Who's got a Hello Kitty Pez dispenser on them? Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> was it empty? I'm loving it. We'll never know. They could have <laughs> made big a breakfast burrito. I don't care. It was so funny that something came flying big at them. And it was so funny. There was a Hello Kitty Pez. I loved it. I loved I love that it. like a car blast went under another car and then mm-hmm. and then became big under it and blasted it upwards. Somebody I read some other <laughs> little trailer reviewer was like, oh, I don't know if that would. I mean, the car didn't show any damage. I'm like. Oh my god! Shut <laughs> up. Exactly. Just yeah. shut up. Oh, you're like, gonna have those, man. <laughs> Honestly, because that's because they they lose the big picture. They look at the details and they get wrapped up in that. Yeah, so like, yeah, you're gonna have those. Just keep yeah, yeah, keep moving with that. <laughs> but I am completely excited. They're gonna explore the quantum realm. Uh, I mm-hmm. liked that they shrunk that whole building. That's something else. People are like, it's "Wow, funny. like where are all the plumbing pipes and how did that?" I'm like, "Come on, you know, Pim Labs could have made their own plumbing somehow, or their own. I mean, they're a place that does like fantastic uh, tech. They've got like fantastic tech. Maybe they develop a tech, a uh, some kind of tech that like disintegrates poop. I don't know." Like I just who who cares about the yeah, shrinking of, yeah. of why, that building? Yeah, why question that? Shrink the building. How would yeah. it be able to sustain without yeah. its uh, water piping that runs underneath? It, it's exactly. now a luggage bag. Come on. Just, yeah. Just, yeah. And when it shrunk, it was funny that there was a a paint like a a pigeon still sitting on the top of it. That's that's funny. <laughs> like that's funny. It's, and the movie just supposed enjoy to be funny. yourself. It's a movie. Enjoy yourself. It's a superhero movie. I thought that trailer was fantastic. I love it. I'm looking forward to Evangeline Lilly. And I'm excited that she ditched that stupid wig. And Paul Rudd. Oh, yeah. And Paul <laughs> Rudd's love blossoming. <laughs> Her short Love hair. is going to blossom. And it's going to be fantastic. And they're going to explore the quantum realm. And we do yes. in this film. We will. They are going to find Hope Van Dyne in this film because... Her character is in the cast list, and she's being mm-hmm. played by... Michelle Pfeiffer. Yay. Yes. You look confused, JC. Why Why did I think it was Sharon Stone? <laughs> it's Michelle Pfeiffer, because you're compl- confusing your 90s blondes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He, he's, it's he, not Kim Basinger, gets, either. He gets confused No, it's not Kim Basinger. <laughs> And so I, that's actually great. I love Michelle Pfeiffer. I, She's I, I think awesome. awesome. She is awesome. 
uh, the world needs more Pfeiffer. Yeah. Pfeiffer's not doing a lot these days. What's what's uh, Pfeiffer? Oh, she just did. She uh, was in something called? recently. Murder on the Orient Express. She was in Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. Very true. She's on the comeback. I'm all for it. Yes. I'm Pfeiffered up. Woo. So next on our Super Bowl trailer craziness, I had had a lot of nacho <laughs> chips by this time, but the <laughs> skyscraper trailer came out. Mm-hmm. This was Dwayne the Rock Johnson with a prosthetic leg needing to save yes. his family from yes. a burning skyscraper. And it featured a leap from one skyscraper <laughs> to the other that looked a lot like the Mission Impossible leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's going to be a lot of leaping this summer. Except at the end of Dwayne Johnson's leap, he can't break his ankle. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> if you don't got an ankle, you can't break an ankle. That was amazing. All right, so, yeah. So, you know, some summers it's, you know, there's alien invasion movies. Some summers mm-hmm. there's meteor movies. Asteroid movies, yep. volcano movies. This summer uh-huh. is the summer of leaping. Yes. So as someone who deals in <laughs> legs, as as a leg man, Greg, yes, <laughs> I want you to break down that that trailer leap for us. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's let's start at the beginning uh, of the leap. Why is he being <laughs> shot at? You know, he's he's the head of security or, or safety at this. You know. Uh, it seems like he's got access to the high conference zone area where he's telling them that this, you know, towering building is going to be, you know, a safety hazard. Now they're shooting at him. I, I'm not even going to question that part, but he's doing a, a run. You know, he's going into a, a run and it does look like he has to, you know, compensate for the fact that this isn't a sound limb on his other side. He is doing a bit of a pitch to his gate, um, and it, and it, and yeah, he's got an intensity to him because he's running from a helicopter. But when he jumps, when he jumps, everybody's wondering: Is the leg gonna fall off? You know, is this leg on him? And I guarantee you, if he's been sweating a lot that day, he's gonna have some problems with suspension <laughs> of that prosthesis, uh, and and for for good reason because you know. It, it has to be suspended uh, through a means by which an external prosthetic is on a human leg and we sweat and we're not designed to have that amount, amount of our tissue encompassed with something at all times. But if it was built right mm-hmm. and, if he, and if he puts it on each day just right, then that thing's going to stay on. But I guarantee you at the <laughs> end of that sequence when his, le- his prosthetic leg is the only thing that's keeping him from falling to a certain death. I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm wondering how well that thing was put together because it, it's got to be comfortable and it's got to it's got to stay on. Those are the those are the rules of the game. <laughs> wow. So, Greg, are you saying that if you were responsible for that leg, ro- the rock could save that building? The rock would save the building. Yes. I know Perfect. I know how to design That's a custom sweatproof liner that you do not sweat in. This is mustachio stamped. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm being serious uh, to anyone out there listening. <laughs> yeah, I'm being serious. No other so, movie podcast has this for you. Yes, no, no yes. other movie podcast has this kind of in-depth <laughs> professional yes. analysis of the Woo! skyscraper leap. Yes. That's right. <laughs> it's all it's all about can that liner stay on and can that leg keep you safe and he would mm-hmm. he would still be alive and that building would make it 
At what point will he lose the leg and make himself a makeshift prosthetic out of a cubicle? Yes. So if 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 the leg fell off and he had to swing into the building, yes, and he's at a cubicle, he better start putting some stuff together that's going to feel good on the end of his limb. Mm-hmm. It, it it better feel good uh, mm-hmm. to to house around what his remaining tissue, his residual yep. limb, uh, mm-hmm. if I can so use a little medical <laughs> jargon. Uh, but he also better put something really cool on there. I mean, yeah. you could put a gun on there. He, We've seen that before. He could. Yeah, but it's totally been done. Rose McGowan. It's not practical. <laughs> you can't run on a gun. No, it's not practical. If you had to make a prosthetic out of simply office materials. What would you make one out of? Okay, um, thrown together, it it would have to be. Um, let's see. Okay, this is gonna this is gonna sound a little out of the box, but <laughs> if if I could if I could grab the water cooler, dump all the water out of it, and and cut a little uh, form of that plastic out, this this is the plastic that I would. Wa- I would I would want to start using as a crude form of of something to bear my limb down on, um, but no, I would okay. actually I would actually start using stuff that would be more soft to the tissue. Um, I would want to start grabbing coats or anything like that, socks or anything nearby. If anybody left anything in the lost and found that looked remotely, you know, like it's going to be good on my skin. <laughs> Okay, and now after this, you asked, you asked. Now after this, I want to start putting something together that's gonna be like the metal portion. So, mm-hmm. we're, so we're talking like a, a portion of a lamp post. I'm gonna knock that <coughs> pieces off on each end, and I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start crafting or sculpting this uh-huh. type of you know clamshell design uh-huh. that I mm-hmm. can. I fit my leg down into this thing and mm-hmm. cinch it down like in tourniquet style on top of it. Uh, okay, you, you can you can you can tell I've I've made a few of these a time or two. Um, <laughs> You've made Are a you few always thinking about how to make. <laughs> Every time Greg are. enters a room, he's he's like he he eyes everything. He's like, "What's the quickest way to pick a prosthetic?" <laughs> <laughs> His eye zooms around. Oh my yep. god! Yeah, like a spy knows how many people are in the room, how how many exits there are. Yes, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> my lord, what a gift! You wouldn't use the like rolly wheels from a like a desk yeah, chair. Yeah, I was just thinking the bottom of my chair. Yeah, yeah. just yeah, no, too simple probably. Crude. We just haven't thought it through. We don't no, know. We we're don't not the to, experts. I mean, we're obviously. not the expert. The expert no. is Mustachio. Mm-hmm. You're only going to get this kind of analysis here at Screen Fix. Yeah. And no other movie in, podcast in, boasts. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, Lady Wan, are you interested in skyscraper? I mean, The Rock can do no wrong. So, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. It's, he, yeah. he prefers Dwayne Johnson. He's making like these like throwback action films. He's making you know. He's my future president. Like San, let's be honest. San Andreas, skyscraper. Well, He's making just throwback yeah. actiony stuff right now. Don't, did y'all catch uh, how skyscraper just seems like it's just a a rewrite of the towering inferno? Right. That's what I thought when I saw Skyscraper. I was like, oh, Towering Inferno. Okay, I get this. San Andreas was Earthquake, so he's just running through the 70s. Yep. 
There you go. It's fine. And he's going to be better, though. <laughs> yeah, and Rampage is, is, is just going to be That's him. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next trailer. Speaking of the rivalry here, we did have uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. What are your feelings? They're both leaping this summer. Mm-hmm. Not just leaping into theaters, but literally leaping into buildings. Yep. Mission Impossible Fallout trailer. Do you guys have any thoughts on that on that one? Not enough prosthetics. <laughs> it's sans sans prosthetics. Yeah. <laughs> but I hear this movie um, has a hell of a mustache, so let's do it. Yeah, the most expensive mustache in the business. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. so Henry Cavill's mustache that we're alluding to was uh, they had to bleep it out from the Superman uh, Justice League. And what that has done is it's led to Reddits and memes everywhere telling that that was, you know, the most expensive mustache because they couldn't have Henry Cavill remove it from his face while he was in this movie. It better be worth it. Did you see that his mustache posted to his Instagram, Henry Cavill's? Does it? His mustache (laughs) has its own Instagram? Um, no, it posted to Henry Cavill's Instagram. I can read it to you if you'd like. Oh, that's amazing. It's pretty <laughs> solid. So you can cut this out later if you don't like it. Yeah. He said, dear reader, due to the lateness of the hour, Henry is now actually in bed. It is a school night after all. Being his mustache, however, I require no sleep or food. So I've taken it upon myself to address you, my lovers and my haters, to announce this exciting event. First trailer is here, my glorious debut. Bathe in my bristly glow, marvel at my contours, and yes, be allured, you who are facially able, for our time has come. From the pages of history, we shall charge forth and rule the world once more, and I shall be your king. Also, I hope the Super Bowl is exciting, (laughs) as I have no eyes, and I cannot know what state it's in right now, but I do hope it's entertaining. Link in bio. And then we get the trailer. And that was from his mustache? Uh Uh-huh. That's what his mustache posted to Henry Cavill's Instagram. How did that whole post go without using the word hirsute? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, are you looking forward to Mission Impossible Fallout, Lady Wan? Yeah, I mean, I got to see what this mustache hype is all about. So I'm into that. Are you still on board with these Mission Impossible films, Mustachio? Uh, I lost track uh, about four ago, I think. But, you know, I would watch uh, I would watch it again if... Uh, yeah, I, I, I was reminded of the fact that Simon Pegg is in it. And I'm like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. I completely forgot about him. You know, because I, I love watching him. So uh, our last major trailer that came out recently is probably the Venom trailer, which dropped also seemingly out of nowhere. Uh, (laughs) This trailer was the epitome of, by the way, our VFX are nowhere near finished. In fact, we may not even have started them. But here's a couple (laughs) shots of cars crashing and Tom Hardy. Yes. (laughs) What more do you want? Yep. Yep. That's it. You got it. Are you even looking forward to this one, this Venom film with Tom Hardy? Lady Wan? It's that second part that's got me. My last quick topic, Mustachio, you are a Tarantino file. And I, I don't know if you saw, but Uma Thurman released a statement oh uh, claiming not only abuses by Weinstein, but that Tarantino had her do a dangerous car stunt 
which she crashed into a tree, thought her back was broken or her legs were broken. And she was also, it was Tarantino that was spitting on her and abusing her during Kill Bill 2. And some of the backlashes mm. from some people has have been, I'm never seeing a Tarantino film again. But do you, what do you think this does to Tarantino's legacy, Mustachio? Wow. Well, it, 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 it definitely can hurt. I mean, as we've seen, even the ones at the top, like Harvey Weinstein, can be taken down. And I'm, I'm not saying that I wouldn't think that Tarantino would do that. No, because, uh, you know, directors can be a- assholes. I mean, Kubrick was not loved. Um, people should not be mistreated on set. They shouldn't be taken advantage of. Um, yeah, but I would be scared actually to find out more, to, to delve deeper into finding out what, what he is really like on set, what he demands out of his cast and what he's capable of. Um, I, I saw footage of that wreck scene and it looks really scary. It looks like she's Mm -hmm. driving really fast and it gets out of control really quick. And I'm thinking the whole time, like, why is she actually the one driving it? If you're only looking at the back of her head, what's going on? I'm. I'm thinking that that, yeah. that should be a stunt woman. Zoe Bell should be in there taking care of it, and exactly. uh, also be harnessed in with like this death-proof style, you yep. know, harnessing system where she's not going to get hurt. What, what this this sounds negligent almost. Do you have any comments, Lady Wan? Um, at the moment, I think he's a complete idiot. So, hearing his comments this week about essentially defending Roman Polanski. Because mm-hmm. that thirteen-year-old wanted it, yep. like really, thirteen-year-olds want a Game Boy. Yeah, that's like he's an he's an absolute insane person who's completely out of touch with society. Which I get, I get. Like you don't live in the real world. All these people that are that famous and that powerful in Hollywood, they don't live in the real world. But yeah, you have to listen saying. to the words that are coming out of your mouth when you say a thirteen-year-old wanted it. She's thirteen and she was drugged. Like, stop uh, talking. Oh, I didn't hear that. That's, yeah. That's yeah. repulsive. And he did come out with a, he has come out with statements trying to mitigate this whole thing. Yeah. Um, okay. But who knows? Maybe the damage has already been done. But, you know, if his career goes into the dumper, you'll hear about it here on Screen Fix. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll talk about it. You know what else we're going to talk about? This is why we're all here. We're here to chat movies fix movies mm-hmm. and the we movie can't we fix hollywood fix. but we can fix a movie we can <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so true this week we will fix a doozy mm-hmm. from the convoluted <laughs> from the convoluted world of jj abrams drum roll Please. I'm really bad at a drum roll. <laughs> oh, my, that's a machine gun, first of all. Yes. Sorry. Yes. We will fix The Cloverfield Paradox, the movie <gasps> that had its trailer drop during the Super Bowl, and yeah. that trailer said, by the way, this movie is available right after the Super Bowl. Get it. I don't know. That's probably never been done before. It was pretty crazy. This was a movie that Netflix bought from Paramount mm-hmm. for around $50 million because Paramount knew that they had something that was not <laughs> the quality or the level of what should be released theatrically. Yeah, it was supposed to come out in April in theaters. 
Right. And I feel like Paramount was like, ugh, we have something yeah. that looks like it belongs on sci-fi channel <laughs> or just definitely belonged on like cable television somewhere. And <laughs> there's nothing in this movie that is big budget theatrical looking like there's just there's nothing it looks to me it looks very amateurish and it did have an indie director that Mm. possibly was in over his head netflix picked this thing up it is unfavorably reviewed on rotten tomatoes it's at 16 percent this is the rotten tomatoes description brilliant casting is overshadowed by a muddled mix of genres and storylines that scratch more heads than sci-fi itches and that's probably pretty true but That sounds like that yeah. sounds like typical J.J. Abrams, doesn't it? He makes me so mad. Oh, J.J. Giving us more questions than he ever provides answers. And this one is does a lot of that. This attempts to provide answers to all the Cloverfield that has come before and will come after. Mm-hmm. And is again an example of J.J. Abrams lazy, riding himself into corners, not knowing where the hell he's going with things, and then trying to tie it up with some lazy answer. Do you think J.J. Abrams has ever been caught cheating on his wife and he was like, nah, honey, it was another dimension. (laughs) That would be... That's his out for everything. It's so lazy. He makes me so mad. Yeah, Yeah. alternate reality. You're right. Don't worry about it, guys. We don't need consistency. Yeah, Yeah. don't worry. This is an alternate timeline. Yeah. He makes me so mad. Even like Lost... Like, even with Lost, he's like, uh, all right, I made smoke monsters and mm-hmm. polar bears and mm-hmm. and weird. The hatch. The hatch. I'm <gasps> like, where? He's like, where, where, where am I going with this stuff? And then, he then doesn't at, know. at the end, he's just like, oh, it's uh, purgatory. Yeah. Yep. Statue with four toes. To it. Don't worry about it. Remember yeah. how in yeah. like yeah. 2008, I swore to you it wasn't purgatory? JK, it's purgatory. You dick. <laughs> I'm really mad about Lost. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been personally yeah, victimized funny. by J.J. Abrams. Lady One, I've got a question. So do you think he should do a public apology like he did for the solar flares for Lost? Would that, would that help? <laughs> I, I'm so yes. mad at him. I'm so mad at him. And every, he tricks me over and over again. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally down with what his ideas are. He's a great storyteller. Yeah. No, he's very lazy. And he makes me super angry. But I'm going to try not to be super angry about this whole thing. <laughs> Abrams is so strange. It's like, not only does he do this lazy, throw everything out there and not care to tie it up, you mm-hmm. know, just bad storytelling, but he also just like kind of like apes 80s style. Yeah, totally. For, for the movies, for the movies that he, he directs, it's like, why no one has exposed this person? I know. He's gaslighting us all. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on. So this film had, you know, Rotten Tomatoes did mention the cast, and the cast of this movie is is fucking brilliant. It's bonkers. David Aiello, who is an Oscar nominee. Correct. It's got Daniel Bruhl, who's an outstanding actor. We've also got Elizabeth Debicki, who was our golden queen person in guardians of the galaxy volume two. Oh yeah yeah golden queen lady yeah 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 golden golden lady with no tolerance for sarcasm oh no not at all uh-uh. uh and we have uh zi zhang who was one of the biggest actresses ever in china 
Mm-hmm. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but she has multiple awards in China. Is she like the Chinese Meryl Streep? I don't know if she's the Chinese Streep. I feel like she's the Chinese J-Law. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That tracks. Uh, but she's not as 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 young as that. She's not as young as that. She's probably like the Chinese J-Law with Streep's accolades. Like she's that. She's huge there. I mean, J-Law's got an Oscar. We've also got Chris O'Dowd, who is our bridesmaids cop. Mm-hmm. So we've got a cast that is awesome. Like they've assembled this awesome cast for oh, the yeah. science fiction movie and then stuck them in this convoluted story with uninspired directing. What would you say is the plot? <sighs> this is going to be difficult because there's a lot shoved into this movie. But hit me with your best shot. <laughs> oh, boy. Lady Wan, go. All right, fire away. Okay. I'm going to do, thank you. I'm going to do my very best to explain this without taking an hour and a half, which is what the movie seems to take. No, the movie feels like it takes four hours. I've watched it twice, so it has taken four hours for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hold on. Mustachio, how long did this movie feel to you? It felt like it it was slowed down and and time was speeding up elsewhere. (laughs) And it feels insufferably long. (laughs) Yeah. Go go ahead, Lady One. Okay. There is an energy crisis on Earth. Gas is being rationed. There are blackouts. So Earth has come together to send a team of scientists to the Cloverfield Station to run an experiment on the Shepard Particle Accelerator so that they can create an unlimited energy source to solve this international crisis. And I assume start, you know, a new economic crisis because if there's no power, like if it's unlimited, that's a whole new disaster. So that's, you know, fun. Our hero, I guess, is Ava Hamilton. She is the UK representative in this mission. She is a communications officer. That's her job up there. We start with her talking to her husband on Earth in a gas line, explaining why they're going up there, and they have the most exposition-laden conversation I've ever seen in my life right. to explain why they're going up there. <laughs> right. So, oh. yeah, that And happens. this is like before the title card is even... Yes. <laughs> the title oh. is even happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. The title screen is 11 minutes in to this movie. 11 <laughs> minutes. If this was the office, that cold open is halfway through the episode. Like, that's bonkers. (laughs) What kind of structure is this? But anyway, we know why she's going up there. She goes on up there. And we start seeing these experiments begin. The first experiment is on day 16. And they just keep going. So we're seeing everyone from all the different countries. We've got all the world powers. We've got the United States, the United Kingdom, China, Russia, Germany, Brazil, which is broke, and Ireland, which is drunk. So I don't know <laughs> how <laughs> how they decided on these uh, world powers. But here we are. So we're watching the trials. We've explained who everybody is. That's our crew of of seven on the Cloverfield Station, right? And I think we're at like, honestly, like day 694. They've been up there for a really long time. They've been there for a long time. That's a lot of astronaut ice cream. Yeah, that's a lot of foosball. Yeah. You ever go to like the science museum and they had the astronaut ice cream? I mean, I've gotten it out of those little silver pouches. It's not great. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they had a lot of 3D printed bagels to to chew on, you know, for all those days. Mm. We get during all of our opening credits, which 
again, title screen is 11 minutes in. We see on the station, they've got a foosball table. They have a worm farm and they have a 3D printer, which has a masking tape on it that says worst bagel maker ever. So (laughs) (laughs) they're up there and they're about to run the shepherd again. And again, we get more exposition. There is enough fuel to run it three more times. But here we go. We're going to do it again. While they're watching a news feed from Earth with a talking head, conspiracy theorist from at paradox underscore is underscore real, telling us what the shepherd could do. It could unleash chaos on Earth. So again, the exposition. It's just dripping with exposition. So they run it. It looks like it's working. We're excited. We're really excited. But then, oh no, science, screens, explosion. And it didn't didn't go that great. So there's a huge explosion, glass everywhere, disaster, sirens. And they try to get back in contact with Earth and they can't. There's no signal. They can't connect to Earth. And they look out the window and there's no Earth. And they're all, you know, understandably shaken by that. They're all bummed out. They don't know if they've blown themselves across the galaxy and they're lost or if they blew up Earth. They literally don't know. So we start to hear shrieking sounds that sound like if you turned up the treble on a Godzilla roar. That's what it sounds like. (laughs) Yes, it sounds like baby (laughs) Godzilla. So we hear that. And Tam, who is our Chinese representative, says the shrieking is coming from in the walls. So... We got to totally open the wall panel because what else would you do? If something's screaming inside the walls, open the walls. Oh, yeah. They do. Open them. And there's a lady in there. And she's not happy about being in the walls. There's wires going through her, like in her face. It's really gross. She's screaming. It's unpleasant for everybody. Are in the wall. You know what? It's not as gross as it should be. <laughs> oh, it could have been way grosser. They're arguing about whether or not they should cut the lady out of the wall. And while they're doing it, she says, help me, Hamilton. And they're like, what the fuck? Why does this lady know who we are? So they're dragging her out of the wall. Now there's eight people on the Cloverfield station. We cut back to Earth. Oh, We're back on Earth, and here's Mr. Hamilton. He's lying in bed, but there's a booming explosion, sirens blaring. He goes on to check the new social media of the time, and people are like, what? There's just rubble. I thought we were supposed to get a warning if there was a bomb. So they decide it's not a bomb. It couldn't be. What is going on? But boom, back to the ship. So now we know some crazy shit's going on on Earth, but we're back on the ship. It's still weird. That lady's been in medical Volkov, who's our Russian, he's being super weird. He's like rolling his eye around in his head. He's talking to himself in the mirror. And then he decides to 3D print a gun. That's odd. And he starts threatening China and Germany and then foaming at the mouth. And then he collapses. They take him to medical. He seizes, he flatlines and dies. And now we're back to seven people. But then worms shoot out of his mouth like a geyser. And it's really gross. Then we pan to a picture on the ship and we can see the lady from the walls is totally in the crew picture but tam is not so ooh, something's going on the wall lady talks to hamilton she says she's supposed to be part of the crew they've been friends forever who's this tam lady don't trust schmidt they throw schmidt in jail he's german and his communications logs show that he has been working to sabotage the shepherd until russia was neutralized (gasps) the guy who's always a nazi might be a bad guy so Back on Earth again. Hamilton's husband is out trying to get to the hospital. He sees rubble. There's explosions. There's fire. There's something weird, some giant shadow in the clouds. Back on the station, Chris O'Dowd is trying to repair a wall that I don't really remember why because it's definitely not the same wall that lady came out of. And his arm gets sucked into it and he loses it. And it's just like cleanly cut off at the bicep. 
Yeah, that, that amputation was nice. I mean, it looks like a magician's trick. The way he's like running back and forth with his arm in the wall, it feels a little Muppet show to me. Yeah, yeah, it's been guillotined. Is what it looked like. Yes, it's a nice little clean Yay! cut. He's super chill about it. He's funny because he's Chris O'Dowd, and I assume that's why he's in this movie. They take him to medical. His arm comes walking down the hall, and they grab the arm and put it in a box. And the arm wants to write something down, so they give the arm a pen, and it says, cut Volkov open. Ooh, that was handy. Yeah, that arm is super helpful. And they cut (laughs) him open without medical masks on, which is stupid because that guy was full of worms. And Tam reaches in, and she finds the gyro that controls the entire navigation system of the station in his stomach. So they decide that they must be this paradox that they've all heard about. And that's the problem with where they are. They put the gyro back into its place. They use it. They realize they're upside down. They're on the wrong side of the sun. And they find the Earth. Yay, we found the Earth. They connect to the radio. And they can't transmit to Earth. But they can receive from Earth. And they see that they're 14 months into the European war. China is about to get involved. The Cloverfield station has crashed onto Earth. And they realize they're in the wrong dimension. So, again, more exposition. What we know about quantum entanglements dictates it will bring us back. So they have to run the shepherd to get back to their dimension. (laughs) I'm sorry, this is taking so long, but that's what this stupid movie is. Do you need five-hour energy? I don't. Oh, I've got the energy for this. I just am upset about how much more there is, and I don't want everyone to off themselves while they're listening to this. (laughs) Keep driving safely, please. We're back on Earth. Michael, who's Hamilton's husband, has rescued a kid from the rubble. He's going to take her to the hospital. He finds out the hospital is gone, so he's going to take her to a bunker. And back on the station, the wall lady is really sad, and she tells Acosta, who's a Brazilian guy, she's going to get trapped in their dimension. So we already know she's up to some shit. Chinese scientists goes to fix the condensation she gets frozen she dies bye bye ze that was a good scene hamilton talks to the wall lady about how she's up on the station in this dimension because why because it must have been hard for her to stay or whatever and she ends up realizing that in this dimension that they're in her kids did not die in a house fire which is the reality in her life. Their plan is to fire the shepherd again because that will fix everything and move them back to their dimension. But they're going to send the wall lady out in an escape pod back to her earth with the plan so that she can build her own shepherd. And Hamilton asks the captain who's Keel, who's Martin Luther King Jr., who's David Ayello, if he if she can go with her back to that earth, even though that's not her earth, so that she can warn her family and be with her children again. Anyway, we're working on the shepherd again. There's an explosion. Mundy, who's the Irish guy, Chris O'Dowd, he dies. RIP. Now the station is about to be ripped apart because of the explosion, so they have to go fix it. Keel, who's the American, he sacrifices himself to save the ship to get rid of that ring. He dies. RIP. So now there's only four people on this ship, and they are going to run the shepherd. Hamilton and the wall lady are going to leave on the escape pod. Brazil and Germany are going to stay and run the thing. But the wall lady was lying. She knocks out Hamilton. She runs to go kill Brazil and Germany so that she can keep the shepherd in her dimension and save her earth. And Hamilton wakes up and says, huh, that's not how it's going to go down. She sees the wall lady kill Brazil. She shoots him with that 3D printer gun. And then the wall lady is going to go kill Germany and she shoots him. But then Hamilton shows up and he's not dead yet. And they're arguing and they're fighting. And she shoots him again. And now we've just got two ladies left and they're fighting. They continue to fight. Hamilton shoots the glass 
so that the wall lady is going to get sucked out into space, which is a way harsher death than if she had just shot the lady. Like, that's kind of savage, Hamilton. And the wall lady gets sucked out into space. We think it's just Hamilton left, but when we see some weird, like, shots of her saving the German guy, they run the shepherd to get back to their dimension. They contact Earth. Everything seems okay. Earth's like, where the hell have you been? Does the shepherd work? And they go, oh, yeah, like, yeah, let's try it again. They run it. It works. Great. They get in the escape pod to go back to Earth. They have unlimited energy. They have solved the crisis. Yes, we've done it. Earth is saved. They cut back to Earth. They're contacting Hamilton's husband. They're like, she did it. She's coming home. And he's like, no, no, she can't come home. She can't come home. Not with these things. And then we see the pod is coming down to Earth and she's made it. And then biggest monster ever comes up through the clouds. (laughs) End credits. That was exhausting. Hold on. <sighs> I need a cigarette. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was good. God damn it, this movie. <sighs> it's amazing that you guys are still here. So this insufferable film. <sighs> Can I tell you how much I liked it? Oh, did you like it? <laughs> I really liked it. Oh, my goodness. You really liked it? I did. Okay, so here's my problem is I was raised on Godzilla movies. And I have Stockholm Syndrome for bad sci-fi movies. Yeah, but if if Godzilla doesn't show up until the last 10 seconds, that's not good. I know. I was kind of sad about that. I wanted more Godzilla. I just love bad sci-fi movies. Alien vs. Predator is one of my favorite movies. Deep Blue Sea is amazing. I love bad sci-fi movies. But do you like bad, boring sci-fi movies? Is it like a campy nature that you like? You know, those two movies, Deep Blue Sea and... (laughs) <laughs> versus Predator, they, they they're making fun of themselves. This movie has like a a lost in space uh, nature to it that it's not it's really weird. making fun of itself. It's misplaced with its intensity. It doesn't. It feels like a Twilight yeah. Zone episode that got dragged yeah. way out. Yeah, gone way too long. <laughs> what we do here, <laughs> we don't just complain about movies. Mm-mm. We fix them. But you know what else we do is we, we start fix out them. by saying something that we liked very much about this film. Mustachio, is there something you liked about it? Something that touched you? There there are some things that touched me. I I love what it's going for with like the diverse like space crew. Also, the spacecraft design, I really liked how it looked like it was developed to be able to stand interplanetary space travel. The death by the woman getting sucked into the TV, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost metaphorical. She gets sucked into the TV. It's like, yes. Yeah, so, so there was some good death scenes. I love Chris O'Dowd. Daniel Brühl always brings it. So he's mm-hmm. shifty and, and uh, also seems like you can trust him all at the same time. There was a realism to it that they couldn't keep a hold of, but they tried. And and for that, I, I applaud them. A lady one, something that you liked i mean you <laughs> you said you just kind of liked all of it you like all this in general but can yeah. you pull some what was it that made you go yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> on board with this yeah so first of all the scene where tam gets frozen because of the cold from space was so badass like she's already drowning it's she's definitely going to drown in this room her boyfriend who's the germany guy he's watching her die it's super sad and emotional and the door just bursts and she freezes instantly none of this no offense guardians of the galaxy bullshit where you're slowly crystallizing Ha uh-uh, that ain't how it's gonna go down you're out there in space you're freezing instantly and it was just really cool that she like just went boom 
she's gone. So I loved that yeah. part because yeah. I thought they were going to kind of drag it out a little bit. But it was it was very cool to just see that flash freezing of her. That was awesome. I liked that. Chris O'Dowd's just hilarious. I enjoyed all of his silly humor mm-hmm. throughout. Yeah. I just really, I dug it. I don't know what's wrong with me. Just you put seven people in the same outfit and I guess I'm on board on, like immediately. <laughs> oh my God. That's <laughs> all it takes for me is I like people who match. Simple. Wow. <laughs> what did you like about it, JC? Be positive. What did you like? Oh, me? I didn't like much. Dig down <laughs> deep. difficult for me. I loved the cast. Of I loved course. seeing that cast. I would have loved to have seen them in anything else. But Aww. I thought they were all giving it a good go. Daniel Brule was phoning it in once or twice. You don't think they all got matching Cloverfield Paradox tattoos after this? Lord of the Rings style? You don't think they're bonded for life? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. The fe- the fellowship. <laughs> yeah, they they all have CP on their ankle. <laughs> they all yeah. have slusho tattoos. <laughs> and they just won't tell you where. Yeah, slusho tattoos. I will say that I found the directing pretty uninspired. Mm-hmm. I found the story mm. convoluted, muddled. The only thing I can really pull out of this was the performers were pretending like they knew this wasn't going to fall to earth like a meteor. They were professional. They went for it. I loved seeing Z Zang in, in, in something. That's as far as my appreciation is going to go. I'm going to go ahead and just dive into Cloverfield, first of all. All right, Cloverfield 1 is a lower budget film during that craze of found footage. Mm-hmm. They tried to do something bigger with it, tried to make an alien film with it. And Cloverfield 1 was directed by uh, Matt Reeves, who would go on to make some outstanding films, including Planet of the Apes films that are have some wide uh, critical acclaim. And it was this kind of outlier and it did well, but everything after that, 10 Cloverfield Lane, this film, and even the next one, Overlord, 10 Cloverfield Lane was a movie called The Cellar. Right. And had nothing to do with Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. And then they decided to, the low budget company that was making it went under and they decided to shoehorn it into Cloverfield. Yeah. They added the Cloverfield elements later. This movie is from a spec script called The God Particle, Mm -hmm. which also had no connections to Cloverfield at all. Yeah. So Abrams is taking these movies that they like, but they're not sure what to do with and shoehorning them into this Cloverfield thing and somehow making loose connections. And he makes loose loose connections by, he makes them fit into the larger universe by using the same names Mm -hmm. and a lot of the same elements and a lot of the same elements that show up in all of these bad robot movies. That's the name Kelvin. Yep. Which appears in all of them, including Star Trek. <sighs> and Lost. Also, that company, Tagruato, is a company that is in Cloverfield, Star Trek. It's in all of them. And also the product Slusho. <laughs> I mean, Slusho appears in Alias, Heroes, Fringe. Star Trek, Cloverfield, it appears in everything, this this product. And Slusho is made by Tagruato. So all of them are in this same universe. But what happens is, is just like Lost, we get convoluted ideas mm-hmm. that they are writing themselves into that they don't know how to get out of. With this Cloverfield, they're taking all of these movies that have nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. And they're going to find some other convoluted way to explain it away. And that's what they've done here with Cloverfield 
paradox. So the shepherd, when it, you know, collides and causes these different universes or dimensions to like meld and it breaks space time, mm-hmm. that's why that monster appeared in 2008 in the first Cloverfield. That's why the aliens appear in 10 Cloverfield Lane. That's why we're going to get Nazi monster alien tech in the next Cloverfield movie. Right. And that's their way of loosely connecting all of these films that they don't know what to do with. It's his get out of jail free card. And it's so yeah. lazy. Yeah. It's becoming his thing. Even in this one, he throws in severed arms, worms. <laughs> he throws in so many things that are impossible to connect. And he'll just explain it away with odd uh, dimensions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just alternate dimensions. <laughs> that, yep. There you go. What yep. does this movie have to do with 10 Cloverfield Lane? Ah, oh, you know, dimension, space time, of what it is. Continuing with this tradition of grabbing films that have nothing to do with Cloverfield and applying Cloverfield to it, what's rumored to be Cloverfield 5, which is the Daisy Ridley film, which is the film Colma, is actually this Israeli movie that's already existed, but they're going to remake it and somehow shoehorn it into Cloverfield. <sighs> they just take these films yeah. that have nothing to do with Cloverfield, shoehorn them into Cloverfield, and say, eh, it's just another dimension of the same universe. Yeah. Like, this is like, this is their movie that explains all the other movies in this convoluted Cloverfield universe. I just think it's silly. It's honestly doing himself a disservice to be like, all of my projects happen in one universe. And stop making more work for yourself. I don't need all movies to connect just because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing so well and these Star Wars movies are so well received doesn't mean that you need to connect movies that have nothing to do with each other into the same quote unquote universe. I don't care that much. It's frustrating to me because you can definitely see that he is a product of this sort of generation of filmmakers, which is thinking about the social media aspect of your film instead of just making a good movie they put the twitter handle paradox underscore is underscore real which of course the production company owns and is using to promote it and when the first cloverfield movie came out they did an awesome viral myspace campaign but that was in a moment and you can't tell me they made the cloverfield movie to do that it's just that it came together that way it's just so frustrating because he's making these huge projects thinking about the marketing of it. And it just feels gross to me. And I don't enjoy that aspect of it. Just make a good movie. With all that said, <laughs> how about giving us our first fix, Mustachio? One of my problems with the movie was the fact that there was no dimensional versions of themselves. I would like to see different versions or different dimensional selves. I would like to see something where you could have a scene where there, it's actually developed to the point where that the, the shepherd never did crash. And I would like to see that. I would like to fix that to the point where we're reusing the cast. We're, we're actually upping the budget to be able to handle a type of CGI where they actually have to confront each other. They all can't inhabit the same space at the same time. Yeah, it is very convenient that the only crew member that crossed over was the one that's not present. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It would have been interesting if the one that came through was someone who's already there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah, there definitely should have been like an Elizabeth Debicki character also with our current crew. That that would have been neat. And it would have been neat if she had to, there would have been a, a point where she would have had to think about killing herself to like preserve mm. her own space station in her dimension. That yeah. would have been much more uh, engaging and much more dramatic. Awesome. All right, Lady One, hit me with your fix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My fix is I want to kind of spread out some things that happen into some different characters. 
So we get Volkov being all weird. He's our Russian guy. And all of the worms are inside of him and they just burst out and that's gross. And then Mundy's arm tells us we need to cut open Volkov to get the gyro out. So why is it that both the worms and the gyro made themselves into Volkov when they shifted dimensions? And I feel like that's a little bit of a waste to have both of those happen to the same person. So my fix is it would have been more interesting if the gyro was in someone who was not dead. So my pitch here is that the gyro should be in Acosta. And Acosta is our Brazilian guy, and he actually prays over the experiment. So we know him to be religious. And perhaps he needs to sacrifice himself to save the crew. He's like, no, no, it's in me. Cut it open. Save us. And they cut it open. We think he's probably dead, right? That's where we're going with it. They get the gyro out. They save the, the ship they're back on track moving forward and he's gone he's gone he's away but then the 45 minutes later where stuff is popping back up instead of Hamilton just saving Schmidt off screen we see bullets being removed we don't see anything what if he pops up at the end kind of fulfilling his little religious Christ-like resurrection he comes back to save everybody and he gets the pod back I think that's a much better use of the craziness of the gyro and the worms moving into another person and that develops Acosta's character much better where he sacrifices himself and then comes back and saves everybody that's good a lot of the criticism has been lack of like emotional weight Mm -hmm. lack of suspense Mm -hmm. and i think both of your fixes have addressed some of that yeah like real stakes for people emotional ones that's awesome you got one me yeah ah boy (laughs) okay so a lot of the criticism has been lack of suspense or like lack of surprises and and whatnot you just kind of get a ship and a bunch of really random unrelated weird stuff happens and they can't really figure out why and it's it's just but it's not done in like a horrifying way it's not like event horizon or something oh (laughs) it's just very bland it's very bland and there's no emotion to it there's no body horror to it which is where like worms exploding and arms being ripped off should be horrifying yet i was watching it and i was like (laughs) more or less laughs than pitch perfect three that should not be my reaction i should be horrified by stuff that involves body horror right that's not really my fix i just went off on a tangent there this is what i think i think to heighten the tension and to explain the broader cloverfield world i would have not have given it like three finite boot ups this is what i would have done okay i would have had that collider and the collider would have malfunctioned and it would have flashed every 30 minutes or every hour or something right and every hour a new dimensional rift happens yeah there you go So say it happened six times in this film. Mm -hmm. There's six Cloverfield movies. But anyway, I thought to heighten the suspense and not just have weird stuff happen for weird stuff's sake, like I thought it would be better to tie the collider going off multiple times to them having to deal with multiple problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought that might add more stakes, add more suspense, especially by by the last one. They're literally staring at it, waiting for it to go off. And they're like, what are we going to do with this time? Like, what is here? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I like that. My next fix has a lot to do with suspense. 
Well, don't keep us in suspense. My next one ha has a lot to do with creating an intensity that the film needs. You know, obviously the music, sounds, everything needs to have like a build to it. And in space, to me, there's a silence. I know the music was done by the same guy that's done 10 Cloverfield Lane. And he's also done another, you know, kind of low budget space science fiction movie called Europa Report. So he's used to doing so stuff that has to do with keeping the story going in that. Yeah. That is awesome. This film looks and feels like Europa Report. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It does. It does, but it seems like it doesn't hit as many marks. Heighten the score. All right, Lady Wan, do you have another one for us? You want to hit us with another one? I have another small one. Okay. I'd like to change the name of this movie. Okay, what would you like to change it to? Just real, real minor. Um, I'm fine with the overall, I mean, I'm not fine with the shoehorning of Cloverfield. We've acknowledged the problematic nature of that whole practice. But if you're going to call it the Cloverfield whatever, it's not a paradox. None of this is a paradox. They keep referring to it as a paradox. It's not. Yeah. It's it's two dimensions colliding. So it should be called the Cloverfield dimension or the Cloverfield collision or something else. I, I feel like Cloverfield collision is a little too much alliteration there, but it still makes more sense. It's not a paradox. There were At rumors all. that the film was originally called, or that it was going to be called Cloverfield Station. Yeah, I mean, that that's right on the nose. It makes more sense than Cloverfield Paradox. So I, I just didn't like the name. It's not it's not what's going on at all. It's sort of a, a lazy misunderstanding of what's happening, which is super J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah, there's just too much. Do you have any uh, final thought for this uh, episode based on any part of the fix or any part of the news, Lady Wan? It just makes me want to watch the original Cloverfield again because I was really into that when it happened. It made me really anxious. When I was leaving the theater, I literally ran out with my roommate at the time. Like we ran to the car and then we both like got in the car and slammed the doors and I was like, are you kind of freaked out? She's like, yeah, I'm kind of freaked out. Like we just, it really got us on edge. Yeah. And if you do watch it again, make sure that you go to the end of the film and listen to it backwards because there is a voice at the very end of the film that says <laughs> it's still alive yeah. if you play it backwards. <laughs> Do you have any final thought, Mustachio? Uh, if it makes Lady One want to uh, rewatch like uh, Cloverfield, yeah, it makes me want to watch uh, real science fiction movies. I want to see... Obviously, 2001 Space Odyssey. I love The Martian, and so will you if you haven't seen it. Oh, uh, Why don't you bring us home, Lady Wan? Yes, guys. Follow us on Twitter, at ScreenFixPod. Follow us on Instagram, at ScreenFixPod. Sometimes we're watching a movie, and we're just we're giving you some, uh, some takes as we're watching it. Last week, we watched Avengers, so there's just some fun notes there. So come hang out there. Come hang out with us on Facebook. Find us. Search for ScreenFixPodcast. You can email us at screenfixpod at gmail.com. Give us your takes, your questions, your comments. We want to hear it. And rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you damn well can. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all of it. Yeah. Oh, thanks to at Tanya Gog. Thanks for telling us that you enjoy the show. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And so, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for enjoying the show. Thanks for telling us how much you like it. Uh, yeah, let us know what you want to hear. Also, we do have a Patreon account where you can donate to the show so we can keep the show going for you. And also, maybe you can help our dreams come true of opening a one-screen theater. And that is it. Consider the Cloverfield Paradox screen fixed all right we'll see you next week bye everybody. bye Safe.